I invite you to pray with me. Lord God, as we gather to think about uh, your words to us today, it is the cry of our heart, O oh Lord, to follow you. Help us to discern the ways that we should walk with you in this week and this month, this year. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Power. Everybody wants power. And everybody is afraid of power. If you think about your own home, we love having power coming into our houses. It's, a, it's really this miraculous thing, isn't it, that you can walk into a room and flip on a light and bang. Well, let's hope there's not really a big bang, but, but, but wow, there's light. And yet, now that we've got a 14-month-old in our family again, I'm also very aware that we need those little plastic doohickeys that they didn't have when my kids were growing up, but um, they're wonderful because you, you plug up the power, right? Because those little fingers, if they get in the wrong place, that power can be dangerous. So we love it. We're fearful of it. Discussions of power dominate our news cycle every day of the year, don't they? We talk about power as a resource, and our country is talking a lot about power right now. If you really listen this week, you will, you will hear those debates about how we extract and use certain kinds of power, coal and fossil fuels. We're debating about wind farms and solar farms and whether wind farms cause cancer. And um, I don't think so. But anyway, but, but where they, should they go and, and what kind of effect do they have on the birds? We debate about who should have power in legislatures across the country. Political parties always work at winning power, right? That's what pol politics is all about. Who's going to have the power? How will it be shared or not? Countries argue with each other and sometimes go to war in order to ensure that they have the power that they think that they need. And we're seeing those kind of power plays working themselves out in the Middle East right now. It is a power grab in the world. And if you are like me, there are times I want to put my hands over my ears and cover my eyes. I want to just find a little hole and withdraw. I want to read a book. I want to pretend that none of that is happening out there somewhere. And I just want to just sort of concentrate on my own life right here in Bridgeton. But guess what? We can't do that very long because the world is where we live. And to be human means we have to deal with power. It's one of those really deep issues in our lives. And each of us, every single day, make lots of decisions about the kind of ways we're going to use power. Some of that's very, very tangible. Some of it is abstract and symbolic. But we have these decisions to make, and we usually don't think about them too much. But fundamentally, the way that we understand power and how we use it is an important issue to God. And how we use power is a fundamental building block 
in our faith. Now, the scripture lesson today is a, a scripture about power and the use of it. And it's one of these strange and wonderful passages that go way back in time. It, it, it is a, a passage from about 800 years before the life of Jesus. It's a passage from the time of the prophet Elijah. And he was a prophet up in the northern part of Israel. And he was the person who faced down the evil king Ahab and his chief wife, Queen Jezebel. They were proponents of foreign gods, and he kept speaking God's truth to them. And amazingly enough, he survived. Ahab was scared enough of Elijah's power that he did not have him killed. As Elijah got older, one of the things that concerned him was that he was aging, and he asked God for someone to come alongside him that he could train up as a prophet and then who could continue in the same ministry that Elijah had. And so God sent him a younger man by the name of Elisha. And there are these wonderful stories about Elijah mentoring Elisha. But the time comes when Elijah knows that his time on earth is about to end. And he is going to leave Elisha. And that is the, the scripture today. Elijah says, I'm about to go to God. And, and Elisha says, well, I'm not letting you go. And he, he, th this happens several times. Elisha keeps tagging along with Elijah. But finally, Elijah leaves. And in the vision of this passage, Elijah is taken up to heaven in chariots of fire. The horsemen of Israel come and take him away into heaven. He ascends into heaven. He has served as God's faithful servant, and he goes to God in a blaze of glory. And when he leaves, the only thing he leaves behind is his overgarment. We would call it his coat today, but it, it was a mantle. Elisha watches Elijah being taken off, and then in a symbol of his sorrow, he takes his own clothes and he tears them in two. It's an ancient sign of mourning and grieving. And so he, he is pretty close to naked, but he has this mantle that Elijah has left behind. And this mantle becomes for Elisha a symbol that Elijah's power has been passed on to him. Every year at annual conference, we worship together, we remember what it means to be a church together, and part of that process to have several worship services to honor and remember pastors and pastors' spouses who have gone before us. We have a, a memorial service remembering the people who have died during the year, we also have a, a service of um, honoring those who are retiring in June or people who have retired already in the past year. And so a couple of weeks ago in this worship service, uh, Reverend Mark Harvey was honored. Uh, he is the spouse of our your former pastor, Mary Harvey. And um, it was a wonderful worship service. We also welcome in new pastors. And people who are going to be ordained in the United Methodist Church um, 
go to seminary, and then they are welcomed in as probationary members of the conference, and we do a residency. It's just like um, doctors do a, a residency after they fi finish their medical training. And so there is a two to three year process of being a resident. And so Pastor Jose Marino Chacon, who's the pastor at La Trinidad, was welcomed in as a resident in ministry. His training is over. But we also then have a worship service in which we honor people who are ordained. So we have people who are leaving active ministry. We have people who are coming in. And one of the things that we do is every year, one of the retirees will come forward and kneel wearing a mantle. And she or he will take it off and then put it on a person who is going to be ordained. It is a symbolic reenactment of what Elijah and Elisha experience. It's that visual reminder that each one of us in our faith are, are the products to some degree of the people who have come before us. There's a long chain of faith that has reached into your life. 2,000 years of people of faith. And if at any point that chain had been broken, you would not be here. This year we have had over 30 people retire from ministry here in Missouri, and their joint years of ministry added up to more than 1,000 years of service to God's kingdom. I thought that was remarkable. 1,000 years of service. Elijah and Elisha, their witness, are, are an important reminder for all of us about what leadership looks like, how we use power, the power that God gives us to further the good news of the kingdom. They are an example of a, a mentor and a mentee relationship because we learn from each other, don't we? We, we go alongside somebody who has a little more experience than we do and then we take what we have learned and we go forward and then we pass it on to somebody else. And so that friendship from almost 3,000 years ago still has things to teach us today. We're given power to be used wisely and to teach others how to use it. But the story of Elijah and Elisha also is somewhat limited because it tells us about two men who are very specifically selected for certain ministries. Almost a thousand years later, God did something new in the world. God showed us a new understanding of how God's power works. On the day of Pentecost, thousands of people who had come to Jerusalem to, to celebrate the giving of, of the Ten Commandments and to celebrate the barley harvest, but within that big group of people was a smaller group of folks who had originally come to Jerusalem for Passover. They intended to go home, but they ended up staying because of a series of unexpected events. Jesus, their leader, had been arrested and killed. He rose from the dead and, and he appeared to them for about 40 days. And, and while he was with them, he said, stay, wait, pray, gather, expect. And that's what they did. And so they gathered and they expected, and they gathered and they expected, and, and they didn't know what they were expecting. And then one morning, seemingly out of nowhere, 
they experienced God's power in a brand new way. It was something that they really couldn't describe, but it pushed them out of doors into the world, and it kindled a fire that is burning still today. These followers of Jesus talked about power in a way that was different from anybody before. And they said something very simple, but revolutionary. They said that God's power is here for everyone. Everyone. I've been thinking a lot about that message, and I'm not sure that any of us here today can really hear it with first century ears. Each one of us has a lot of power and autonomy in the world. We are able to um, get a bank account, we're able to vote, we're able to drive, we're able to do all kinds of things that the ancient world couldn't imagine. But try to imagine what it would have been like to live 2,000 years ago when almost no one had the kind of power that we have. People didn't have mobility, assets, or the right to vote. Women, children, and slaves were property. Even men had very few rights. Even citizens of Rome had few rights compared to today. People were told what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And if they didn't do it, punishment was swift, severe, and often terminal. Most people would say, power? Are you kidding me? But there was Peter, this fisherman from Galilee, preaching on the steps of the temple. And there was Stephen preaching on a street corner. And there were followers of Jesus who who started taking up collections for the poor and the homeless. And I'm sure folks looked at them and said, who gave them authority? How do they have power to do that? What power was vested in them? Well, it wasn't human power. It was the power and freedom that the Bible tells us God gives us because of the power of love. And they began a revolution, and it's continuing today. We have power through Jesus Christ. Whenever anyone is baptized, I don't know if you have noticed this, but, but um, I baptize with water, a symbol of new life. But then I also place my hands on the head of the person who is baptized. And I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will live in that person, that he or she will be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ throughout his or her life. And we, we pray the power of the Holy Spirit into babies as well as into adults. People of faith are given power. God comes to us, leads, guides, and directs us. And in a sense, we are all like Elisha. We have been given the mantle, the power and authority to work in God's name. And so every single day, we have choices to make, my friends. Think about it. When you wake up in the morning, do we work for peace in our family or do we sow discord? I think you all know I'm not much of a morning person. I, morning is not my favorite time to get up. Um, but, you know, I usually have to get up in the morning. And so every morning I am aware I have a choice to make. Am I going to grouse and complain or am I going to try to have a smile on my face? And I do know that if I have a smile on my face, and if I can kind of mean it, life goes better for all of us. 
because when I'm growly, everybody else in the family becomes growly, right? I have power, and I need to use it wisely, and so do you. How do we think about and how do we pray for people? Do we look at people and just say, you idiot? Or do we look at people and say, you know what? I think the person's having a hard time. And, and I can pray for that person, even if I don't understand him or her. Are we aware of people who are vulnerable and, and, and need our care and concern? Do we step out of our comfort zones and actively work to help people? Well, I got to tell you, one of the great things about being the pastor here is multitudes of this congregation do this every day of the week. This next Sunday, all of us have the, the opportunity to have a meal with the Cana ministry. That's not too far stepping out of our, zone, our comfort zone, but we know it'll make an impact for some people, people who live in India. We have people who volunteer at, at community helping ministries. Our lunch bunch this summer, people who are showing the love of Jesus Christ through jam. We have people who tutor in the schools during the school year. We have people who rock babies in the hospital. We have people who work with the Ronald McDonald House. The list goes on and on and on. Those are ways that we use our power for God's good. We listen to the nudge of the Holy Spirit and step out in faith. This new bed ministry is just such an example of how we can listen to God and begin to make a difference. Or is there a need that's just burning in your heart that won't let go until you do something about it? One of my best friends called me this past week. She's going to be leaving this coming week to go to a, a border town in Mexico. And she's a retired Presbyterian pastor and she is going to be in this border town for two weeks doing something called accompaniment. As Central American migrants have come up and are pushing on the U.S. border, there is a growing population of people in some of the border towns in Mexico. And what is happening is in some of these border towns, drug lords are very unhappy about the situation because they have more eyes looking at them and their business is being compromised. And so the church-run shelter in this small border town in Mexico has a director that is being threatened. He's being threatened with assassination. And, and my friend is going there with another person, and they will accompany this man for two weeks. The idea is that the accompaniment of U.S. citizens will help protect this man who is doing God's work. It's scary. It's scary, my friends. My friend is named Trisha. She believes strongly in what she is doing. She went to Colombia a year and a half ago and did the same thing as the Colombians were going through elections. I hope you will pray for her and for others who are doing that quiet work of accompaniment to try to make this world just a little bit safer. Are you willing to question the ways of the past as issues and new needs become visible today? One of the ways the first followers of Jesus used their power was to question the rules and the customs that they had been given.
They searched for new ways to break down barriers and to understand God's inclusive love. And we have power as Christians to look at the tradition we have received, sometimes to embrace it, but sometimes to reform it and to correct it as God gives us new understandings. Next Sunday, I won't be here. I'm going to be on vacation. We have um, children, grandchildren from Oregon that are coming to visit. But we're going to have a staycation with five, basically five or seven grandkids, depending on the day of the week and the time. Um, I think I'll be ready to come back to work. But, but we're going to have a great time, I'm sure. And next Sunday, at this time, I'm going to be downtown at the Pride Parade. And I'm going to be wearing a shirt that says, Pastor Hugs. It's a simple message. But I am really feeling God's push into the world in a new way. I know I can't change the whole world, but you know what? I think that with a smile and a pair of arms that is willing to embrace anybody who wants a hug, I can show just a little bit of what God's love looks like for us. And I hope and I pray that a simple hug might make a difference in somebody's life. Sometimes we think power has to be big and out there and, and change a million lives. It doesn't have to be like that. Power can also come from a long, slow fire that endures from a lifetime. Wherever we are in life, whatever we have to give that comes from our heart is important to God. It can be a smile and a hug. It can be the beginning of a new ministry. It can be going to Mexico and simply accompanying someone. Or it can be willing to smile in the morning when you don't feel like it. However we use our power for God's love, God honors, God sees, and God appreciates. Your influence counts. God has gifted each one of us with power, and we are those inheritors like Elisha with the mantle of God's Holy Spirit. Put on your mantle today, my friends, and walk out into the world and be a witness for God's love today and always. Amen.